Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. your Bibles? I hope you do. Turn to Luke 22. Luke 22. Uh, I'm going to start there, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip over to Job 1. You're going to get some Bible tonight, all right? You're going to get some Bible tonight. I'm going to make sure I'm good on this. All right, so the last week, I talked about that the enemy comes through open doors. The enemy can possess areas of our life through open doors. If you're a believer, he can't possess your spirit. Remember, your spirit is saved. But the enemy can, he comes through open doors. I read that through Lamentations, uh, different examples last week. Um, But he comes through an open door. And if you leave a door open in different areas, maybe it comes through unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, jealousy. Oh, the door could go on competition. God forbid we don't compete with one another and try to keep up with the Joneses, right? But He finds a door, and he'll exploit that door, and he brings with him more with him. That's uh, 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 one of the things that Jesus talked about. But the number one door that the enemy comes through is pride. And so I'm coming after pride because this is what I, I believe that probably if I ask for a show of hands of how many people in this room are saved tonight, the majority of the room lifts their hands. I said that a couple of weeks ago, and I'm Maybe some doesn't lift their hand at all. I mean, you're just, I'm not raising my hand. I don't know what I'm going to get called out for. So, but the number one door that the enemy comes through is pride. And with believers, this is something that is so easily hid. False humility is actually a form of pride. Let's keep moving. So, what is it? What is pride? All right. Pride is trusting in your own strength. Pride is trusting in your own strength. That means pride is someone that is, they say, well, I'm an independent person, and we take pride in that. We take pride in saying, I'm a believer. Uh, I don't think that that's, I think there ought to be an aspect of humility to that and not pride, right? So believers take pride in different areas of their life, uh, and, 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 and I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm really bad about that, so I'm going to just read the scripture and make everybody happy so you'll believe what I'm saying. So Luke 22, let's look at this first. Luke 22, verses 31 through 32. Now, this is interesting, what I'm, about to, what I'm about to show you, and I hope that I can give you clarity to it. It says here, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. He has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, it's almost like he thinks he's God in flesh, that he knows everything, right? When you have returned to me, everybody know the story of Peter, right? What did he do? What did Peter do? He denied Jesus. He says, but when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But this is an interesting thing here that the word asked is listed in scripture. And what does that mean? Here is 
One of the lexicons that, that gives a definition to this, the word ask here means to ask for something and to receive what one has asked for, to ask for with success. The, the NASB says that he demanded for Peter, like Satan himself, ask God, give me Peter. That's what he asked for. Um, and the example is Satan asked and received permission. This is what's crazy. He got permission to sift Peter. Now, did he sift him for, e- for eternity? No, but he worked him over for a season, did he not? Because we know what happened. The night that Jesus was betrayed, they're in a garden, and this Peter pulls out a sword, and he nearly cuts the guy's uh, Malchus. He almost cuts his ear off, and uh, trying to actually aim to cut his head off, but he missed and got his ear. But it's very likely, as I read, I'm fixing to give you another description of this, but it's very likely of what we see that Peter struggled with pride, all right? Matthew, Mark, and John all record this same setting. Now, let's look at Mark chapter 14 and look a little bit more at pride in Peter. I'm telling you, believers tonight, don't think that you don't struggle with this. There's areas, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is going to come after tonight. There's areas that he's going to convict you and show you. Yeah, you've been prideful in this area. Pride in any form opens the door. I don't care what it is. Pride in your kids, pride in your marriage, pride in your family. Pride in any format opens a door for him to come through, all right? It's, it's a nasty, it's the first, it's the first sin that got, uh, we understand Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. He was kicked out of heaven because of pride. I will ascend myself up. It's always about I. It's selfish. Mark 14, verse 27. If you got your Bibles, we'll flip there as well. We'll get to Job chapter 1 in a minute. It says, here... Jesus says, you will all fall away because it is written. He goes back to the word and he says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He said, but after I'm raised, I'm going to go ahead of you to Galilee. And that's interesting. He just quoted scripture. I mean, he just quoted a prophetic word that was written about about Jesus himself. It's listed in the Psalms. It's listed in Isaiah. And Peter himself rises up and he says, even if they all fall away, I will not. Now, what did I just say? Satan used, the, used the, the, the five I wills, right? In the book of Isaiah, that I will ascend myself above the throne of God. I will, right? And right here, he says, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, yeah, you are. Not really, but he said, truly I say to you, this very night, before the rooster crows, crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter, one translation says he vehemently uh, he, he vehemently um, uh, came against him in that and, and insistently saying, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they were all saying the same thing. Now, we know the story. After he comes out of the garden, cutting the guy's ear off, Jesus puts it back. They arrest him. They all flee, all right? And the next scene that you see is Peter is no longer walking alongside of Jesus. He's following at a distance. So he's done turned into what he said he would not become in the fact that he would go and die with him. Now, we know he finished well, all right, to the point to where he said, I will not be crucified like Christ. You'll have to turn me upside down and crucify me upside down, and that's what happened. But for a moment, he has denied. He's warming himself by a fire, and one of the, one of the, the girls there close to the temple, and she says, wait a second, and he starts cursing. He starts, I don't know the man. What are you talking about? I don't know who this guy is. So he denies him and, and fulfills the word that Jesus told him that that was what's going to happen. 
Matthew 16, let's take another example of Peter because I want to show you. You've got to see this where I'm going to take you tonight. From that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes and to be killed and raised up on the third day. And yet, Peter took him aside, the Son of God, and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You were a stumbling block of, to me, for you were not setting your mind on God's purposes but men's. Now, just previously, if you read the context of Matthew 16 and you go back a little bit, the previous setting of Scripture says that, that Peter uh, gives the perfect understanding and revelation of Jesus. Because Jesus said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal these to you. You actually got this revelation from the Father. I now say your name is no longer Simon, but it is now Peter and upon this rock. So he had this perfect revelation. And then you just flip. In a moment's time, he becomes, well, that's who I am. Are you kidding me? I am now. So I have the audacity, and I have, I have the wherewithal to tell the Son of God, you're not going to be crucified. So do you see where pride is manifesting in Peter's life? And Jesus, I don't think that Jesus looks at him and says, you're acting like Satan. I think that there was something attached to Peter on the inside. You with me tonight? Something was attached to his soul that was manifesting and Satan can be used in different, now it's capitalized here, so it's actually in the sense of saying, you're, because do you not understand that Satan was trying to enter into one, right? He got into Judas, right? So you see that he's tracking because he's, is this really the son of God? So he's tracking. But Peter just in this moment speaks and, and Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. I don't think he was, I think he was seeing something there that needed to go. Right? All right, I'll keep moving. So arrogance and pride, it's arrogance and pride to think that we could, that Peter could tell the Son of God, hey, this is not your destiny. I know what your destiny is. So therefore, he, get, he got rebuked for it. Now, many mature believers in the church, this is a Wednesday night message. It could be Sunday. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. Many mature believers actually are in this place where they struggle and, and, and the thing is is that you've been in the kingdom. Do you remember when you first got saved? You remember when you first got filled with the Holy Spirit? You remember that zeal and that passion and you wouldn't, you wouldn't watch things. You would stay away from places. You would, you would watch your mouth. You would open scripture and read it and it was just life-giving. But, but then over time, you kind of got, eh, they, well, you know. But there was no discipline attached to it because there's a lot of fire and, and fervor and zeal off the very beginning. But over time, it just kind of waned. The flame began to wane, and it was no longer as bright as it was burning previously. And, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you started trusting in your own strength. You let a storm come along, and, and, and it blows. And you may come back into to, to a burning relationship with the Lord. But as soon as, it gets, as soon as it gets better, you're gone again, Right? Seen this where the fight and the I'm telling you, faithfulness is not going on a missions trip. Faith or uh, uh, um, let me let me rephrase radical faith is not going on a missions trip. It's not it's not preaching on a stage, it's not singing, it's just the slow and faith faithfulness of a believer's heart to burn steadily uh, uh, decade after decade and grow. That's what that is. 
God wants us to walk in faithfulness. He wants to be upright and walk before him. But in mature believers, we all fall prey to this trap called pride. And I, I pray that, that it is to where I can highlight it tonight and maybe bring you to a point if, if that's where you're headed. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says that, Therefore, let the one, think, uh, the one who thinks he stands watch out and does not fall. And it's not referring uh, to, to one literally standing. It's the one that, that thinks that he's got the answers to everything. And he is the, he is the, 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 the cream of the crop. And, and she's got it all figured out. And she doesn't take instruction or correction or insight from anyone that she becomes her own. Can I give you a quote tonight that you can take with you? This is a quote by one, a general in the faith that has gone home to be with the Lord. And he was talking about in scripture where it says that that um, talks about manipulation and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And it says that uh, stubbornness is as idolatry. You know somebody that's stubborn, you know somebody, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. All right? Kicking against all godly authority, right? But then it says stubbornness is as idolatry. What does that mean? Someone that's hard-hearted, they're stiff-necked, they, they're not going to take any instruction from any, anybody because here's the reason why that is as idolatry. is because a stubborn person, here's a quote, worships their own opinion. You've made your own opinion the God. No, I haven't. You, no, no, no. You can reason and justify it all you want to, but you're, 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 what you say is, is what, what you say is what goes. <laughs> and you can't take correction. You can't take instruction. You can't take anything from anybody because your opinion, your opinion is, is, the, main, is the main focus. So anyway, that's just something to think about tonight as I go in even deeper in this. So that's the first thing, and that, that pride is, is trusting in your own strength. The second thing is that pride is, is trusting in your own personal righteousness. You understand that your righteousness is as filthy rags as what the scripture says. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care how much that you attend, how much you pray, how much you can prophesy, how great you can, you can uh, uh, create the ability for wealth and all of those great, it does not matter. Your righteousness is still as filthy rags. Now, I want to take you into the book of Job. If you would, you got your Bibles turned to the book of Job. Job chapter one, and let's look at the story of Job. You ever read the story of Job and be like, man, I, you know, pretty sad. <laughs> That's like an understatement. Now, what God does, you can't, you got to take it in the full and the whole of the counsel of scripture. But Job chapter one, verses uh, uh, six through 12, we'll start at verse six. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God came, and that word, uh, their sons, is, is, uh, is, a, is a point and a reference to the angels. The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan, that was Lucifer, previously, um, he also came among them. Isn't that interesting? In the presence of God, here comes Lucifer. Well, the devil can't stay in the presence of God. There's scripture. Let's just pull scripture, okay? Verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now, God, why would you do that? Like, do you think God is like, have you considered AJ? No, I mean, I hope not. I mean, I want to be faithful, but God, I'm still struggling. I need some help. He said, uh, 
He said, for there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered and says, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a fence or a hedge of protection around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But reach out your hand now. Satan's saying this to God. Reach out your hand now and touch all that he has. He will certainly curse you to, the, to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, behold, listen to this. All that he has is in your power. Only do not reach out and put your hand on him. And then Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Very interesting passage of scripture. And you can't just read that and stop, okay? You have to read all uh, you have to read all of the book of Job, and I encourage you to do that. And what we jump into is we 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 see that there is a whirlwind. His there's there's armies that invade. And and by the way, Job is the oldest scholars say that the oldest book of the Bible is the book of Job. It is the oldest book of the Bible. There's a there there, there are raiders that come in and they kill his family, his livestock is gone, houses, everything, and so he is just left. And then all of a sudden he develops these sores all over his body. And he's sitting there and he's the dogs are licking, licking the sores. It's just a very nasty scene. And Job's friends show up. His wife tells him, Why don't you just curse God and die, Job? Like, just just end it. It's awful. And his friends show up, and it's just his three friends, because and we look at this and we think, man, you know, I think, I think they have great intentions. They show up and they start saying, all right, let's just examine what's happened. What all have you done, Job? Where have you missed the mark? Where is it that you haven't been faithful in? And, and, and the, the youngest is the smartest because he keeps his mouth shut until the very end. But the friends show up to try to give comfort in some facet and, and in any area. And then we get we enter uh, chapter 32, and I'm going to read from here. Again, I told you I was going to read you some scripture tonight. It says that these three men stopped answering Job because, listen to this part. He was righteous in his own eyes. And then the younger one, Elihu, it says, but the anger of Elihu, son of, I can't figure that out, of the family of Ram, burned against Job. His anger burned because Job justified himself before God. He was justifying himself in what he said before God. That's why the younger one got upset. And I believe he was prompted by the Spirit of God to begin to give him a rebuttal and say, hey, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second, Job. In verse 33, or excuse me, chapter 33, we fast forward one chapter, verses 8 and 9 says, you have in fact spoken while I listened, and this is the young man, and I heard the sound of your words. You said, Job, I am pure without wrongdoing. I am innocent and there is no guilt in me. First off, there was only one. There was only one that they could look at and say, I don't see anything wrong with him. I can't, they couldn't find fault for Jesus, right? They tried. They couldn't find it. Spotless, sinless, perfect. He had to be for the sins of the world to take it upon himself so that humanity could find salvation. He had to be perfect. It was God wrapped in flesh. But Job has been declaring his righteousness, his own righteousness. What is righteousness? That means a right standing with God. So when we talk about righteousness, it's right standing with God. That's why our righteousness, we, we, there's nothing we could do. We can't, like, like I said, you can't be good enough. It's the grace of God that has saved you. It has nothing to do with your own personal works. 
Well, yeah, but you don't understand what I did. That's the problem with a lot of believers today. What you've been doing, you need to stop and cease from works. I'm not saying stop serving. I'm saying and stop. But I'm saying you need to stop taking the taking taking it all for yourself because it's only by the grace of God. Who gave you the strength to provide work for your family? Yeah, but you don't understand this business I've built from the ground up. Who gave you the opportunity? Who woke you up? Who gave you breath in your lungs? Who connected you with this one and that one? Well, you said at the beginning it was a divine connection, and here you are. Now you're taking credit for something that God gave you. So you're taking it into your own, own hands. Nebuchadnezzar, we can look at you the same way. At first, you, you were at a place where whenever the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fire and the fourth was walking in, you said, anybody that worships any other God besides them, we're going to kill you. And then for somewhere down the road, you started looking at what you had built and not understanding it was delivered to you, so therefore you were crawling on your all fours as a beast and the dew of the grass was on your back for a, for a season and a stint. That's what pride opens the door for. God, listen, you never pray for God to humble you, by the way. Don't ever pray for that. The Bible says you humble yourself in the sight of God. Don't say, God, humble me. No, 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 never pray that. God has a way if you don't humble yourself before him, it'll bring humiliation before the people. It's either you humble yourself before God or humiliation before the people. Which one do you choose? Pride is that open door that opens you up into a place of where it's destructive in nature. And I'll get more to that in just a moment. This whole portion of, of, of Elihu and Job concludes in, in, ver, in chapter 36, and it says this in verse 3. I will bring my knowledge from afar and ascribe righteousness to my maker. Job is saying this. I will bring my knowledge from afar. Job, here you are again. You're still in the same place. So here's the open door. He was, he was righteous because of what he did. That is those believers that fall into the trap of pride. You're righteous because what you can do. Has nothing to do with what you can do, right? It's not because of who you know. I'm righteous because of who I know. The Bible says that righteousness was imputed. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that it doesn't grow. It doesn't shrink. When you get righteousness, it's imputed to you, and it's in full. All right? We grow in our giftings. We grow in our faith. But righteousness, you don't grow in. It's given. At salvation, you become the righteousness of God through Jesus because your identity has to be in him, not in what you do. You tracking with me tonight? His whole discourse is, I've done this and this and this, and I didn't do that. I stayed away from them. I didn't say that. I was always faithful and this and this and this. But here's the deal. For us believers, here's where we struggle. When we get saved, we know that our right standing, our righteousness comes from God. But 10, 20, 30 years later, maybe we're leading a group. Maybe we're a part of the church, and we, we're, we're actually really growing in that, a leader in some facet. But then we start falling prey to believing in our own right. Righteousness. We don't believe that we need to repent anymore. And we start looking at others around us and say, well, you need, to, you need to be careful. And we fall into suspicion. And then we fall into judgment and judging other believers. And next thing you know, you've got division and discord. You've got schisms happening in the church. And, and people are, uh, they got this faction. And well, we're just, we're holy huddles. No, 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 no. No, last I checked that I'm the least of all. And I've got, to, I've got to become the servant of all. I can't become risen above somebody else because that's where pride, well, I need my place. No, you don't need your place. Your place is to be at the feet of Jesus at the cross and understand understanding that it's not pride, I'm going to go ahead and give this away a little bit because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Destruction 
Do you understand what that means? Your demise, that you're completely done away with. Pride, pr- pride leads the way. It proceeds your destructive tendencies, and, and God has to step in. And so God has to step in. Could it have been that because God sees these things happening in Job, because it's manifesting. You want to know what's in a man's heart? You want to know what's in a woman's heart? Let adversity come. Let something show up that begins to press your buttons, make you mad, cut you off in traffic. I got it. I'm serious. Let someone tell you you can't do something that you feel like you need to be able to do. What comes out of your heart then? Because the Bible, God has no problem offending. He, here's the deal. Your understanding of Scripture, God will not, he will not, I got to make sure I word this correctly, edit this out of the podcast. God has no problem offending your heart to reveal what's, what, what comes out of it, offending your mind to reveal what's in your heart. You with me? He has no problem sending someone along to challenge you to see what's in here because the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else, who can know it but God. So he has no problem to offend the mind to reveal what's in the heart. And he has no problem to challenge your understanding of Scripture to know that you're standing on truth. We're seeing this right now, compromise. Church is compromising. Pastor Eddie's been talking about it in a lot of different facets. You got to have a prayer life. You better hear God for yourself. Look what's happening over in the Middle East right now. Enough said. It's shaping that way. We're going. We're trending. I'm telling you, whatever I'm giving you tonight, read it for yourself. Study scripture. Study to show yourself approved. Not Pastor AJ approved this message. Study to show yourself approved. You have to know it for yourself. You got to know God for yourself. When you stand before him, I got to give an account for you, but I'm releasing truth to you tonight, so I'm going to be off the hook (laughs) on this one. The Pharisee, look at it this way. The Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other sinners, right? I thank you that I'm not like them. That's where the mindset goes because pride is set up and taken root. God shows up in the story of Job, and I'm going to read this because I love this portion of Scripture. There's a lot here, so you just get ready to track with it. I'm going to read it. Trust me, it's in the Bible. Just read 38, 39, 40, and you're good to go, all right? Some of these are not going to be up here. Job 38, verses 1 through 6. Get ready for your scripture. Some of y'all are going to get set free tonight simply because I've been reading more scripture for you. You got your Bible reading in for today, not for the week. You got to read in the morning too. Be a disciplined learner. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. I love that. Shows up and this factor to get his attention, I'm sure, because he's, woe is me, I'm bad shape. Verse 2 says, who is this who darkens counsel? This is God speaking to Job. I love this. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? (laughs) How would you like God to show up in a whirlwind? First off, I'd been out on the floor. I'd have been having to slap me in the face and be like, you got to wake up. I'm like, I don't want to hear this. I repent right now. (laughs) Verse 3, it says, now God speaks to Job, and he says, now prepare yourself like a man. You know what that word prepare means? It means gird yourself up for battle. I don't want that with God. I'm just telling you, uh, I, I have no reason to war against the word of the counsel of God. God says, I will question you and you shall answer me. So this is the corrective father coming out to Job. 
Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, tell me if you have understanding. Kind of see a little bit of a sarcasm here, you know, a little bit of God. Tell me where you were, Job. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it to where its foundations were fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? Verse 12, have you commanded the morning since the days begin and caused the dawn to know where its place is? Verse 22 of of chapter 38, have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hell? That's ice chunks, not hell, burning hell. Verse 24, "By, by what way is light diffused? Surely you know that. How is it divided? Or the east wind scattered over the earth. Verse 34, can you lift up your voice to the clouds and an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say, here we are. Who has put wisdom in the mind, Job? Or who has given understanding to the heart? In that moment, I can only imagine Job is speechless because he has to be. God is responding himself. Job 39, 27 says this, does the eagle mount up at your command, Job, and make its nest on high? And then lastly, Job 40 and verse 8, now tighten your belt on your waist like a man. I will ask you and you instruct me. Will you really nullify my judgment? Will you condemn me so that you may be justified? Pretty, I mean, I, I don't, It's quiet in the room. It's been quiet, but I feel like it's even quieter than it was previously. I truly believe in righteous living, by the way. Don't don't, don't misunderstand that. Job was was considered righteous among many, maybe because he declared it himself most of the time. But I truly believe in righteous living. I truly believe that parents, that we have to draw the boundary lines and make sure that things don't come across our, our darken our door faces because of the evil that's in the world. That the enemy is trying to lace within everything a, spirit, a, um, a, a satanic, antichrist spirit and celebrate even a season that we're in right now with Halloween. You look around. Oh, it's just, yeah, but look what it's infiltrated. We have to be those, those, those watchmen on the walls of our homes and, and standing guard at our post 24 47365 and making sure that nothing crosses over the threshold that would bring something that we don't want in our homes that we spend the rest of our lives trying to keep out. I truly believe in that righteous living, but righteous living does not make me righteous. Only the blood of Jesus makes me righteous. Are you with me? You understand that? I'm telling you, it does not matter how good that you think that I might be. I can go before God and he can show me my real self. And in a moment's time, I'm in the floor weeping and crying because I don't like that God. God, you got to change me. Change me. He'll spend every waking day or waking moment of your life transforming you into the image of his son. That's what he does. Every day I get up, that's why I take scripture. That's why I take prayer because he's conforming me to his image so that I continue to walk in that will and be led as a son in the kingdom. What I do is, is, is not who I am. You understand? What you do, your identity is in Jesus 100%, who I am as a son. I am not an orphan. I'm no longer an orphan. I'm no longer a stranger. I belong to God. I got to keep moving. Only the blood of Jesus makes me righteous. Here's the third thing is that pride is trusting in your own wisdom. Anybody know anybody like that? Now I'm fixing to take you down another path. You ready? I don't think you're ready. I'm giving you a lot of Bible tonight. 1 Kings 22, the Bible talks about this evil king called Ahab. Anybody know who Ahab is? 
Who did Ahab marry? Wicked. She was wicked. Jezebel. Ahab was the king in Israel during this time and married Jezebel. Take the most wicked, Ahab. Well, you're already, that's the problem is whenever you're out of the will of God and you won't listen to the prophets and those around you, you find up tying yourself into a, I think I need to be muted on this part. You tie and link your yoke to someone that is an unbeliever and you're, you fall into manipulation. Just read the scripture, Pastor AJ. That'd be a lot better. Doing a good job, but just read scripture. Stay off of Jezebel right now. First Kings 22. Understand what about, what's about to happen. Je, uh, the prophet Elijah has killed 450 prophets of Baal because they were led by Jezebel. I know Ahab was king, but his wife was running the show behind the scenes. She was the neck that was turning the head. He was a wicked king. Jezebel had 850 prophets that lost their heads. I said 450, but 850 prophets that lost their heads to Elijah. Ahab had 400 prophets on his payroll that he fed and watered and took care of all the time. And they told him everything that he wanted to hear. Read the scripture. It's there. 1 Kings 22. Let me read you some. 1 Kings 22, verses 5 through 9. However, I want to talk about this moment. However, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, here's what happened. Jehoshaphat had a prophet, a true prophet in the nation of Israel. His name was Micaiah, not Micah, and it's not a woman's name. It's just, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but it's, there is, it's not the prophet Micah, it's, it's Micaiah. He's another prophet. He told him the truth all the time, and Ahab hated him for it. But now Ahab has a different spin on that. So he takes him and throws him into prison because he, he can't stand the word of the Lord. You know anybody that will throw you out of their house because they don't want to hear the word? I'm not talking about because you're being mean. I'm just talking about they just can't stand truth. That's why God's distanced you from some relationships, hello? There's somebody in this house tonight that's going to get it. That's why he cut, you, you have severed ties with people. And God says, I can't, you, I cannot take you. You can't go where I'm trying to take you because this relationship has to be cut. I'm having to prune you, shear you away from that. So we'll keep moving. So three and a half years, this, this prophet is in prison, and, and, and Jehoshaphat shows up, and he says, wait a second, we're going to go to war with this nation, Ahab, and Jehoshaphat was a holy man. He says, Ahab, we don't need to do this. We need to seek for the counsel of the Lord. And he says, well, I've already got these, these 400 prophets, and they're all saying, go up. We've given you the land. God's given it to us, right? But here in this whole setting, Jehoshaphat said, yeah, I hear you, but Verse 5 says, but please request the word of the Lord first. So the king assembled the prophets, about 400 men, and said to them, should I go into battle to Ramoth Gilead, or should I refrain? And they said, go up, for the Lord has handed it to our king. Again, tickling his ears. But Jehoshaphat said, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him (laughs) because... He does not prophesy anything good regarding me. And I can just see him pouting because he pouted. Ahab was a powder. Only bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. But Jehoshaphat said, may the king say it's not so, so they bring him out. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, should we go into battle against Ramoth Gilead or should we refrain? He said, go up and succeed for the Lord has handed it over to the king because he's saying what they're supposed to. Now check this part out. But the king said to him, How many times, how many times must I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? 
Then, check this out. He says, Micaiah says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep that have no shepherd. Sound familiar? And the Lord said, these people have no master. Each of them is to return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he, would prop- he wouldn't prophesy anything good to me regarding me? And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Now, this is where things get crazy. Hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and the angels of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. Jesus in scripture talks about a separation of the sheep and the goats. Sheep on his right, goats on his left. I saw the angel standing by him on his right. That doesn't necessarily mean now that I'm, gonna, I'm giving you scripture, okay? We're tracing it through. This is where you got to hang with me or else you're going to get loose. Like, Man, pastor, he's done lost his mind. He's saying that there's in this place of counsel, there are the angels of the Lord standing on his right and there's some angels standing to his left. And Jesus refers to those on his left as the goats. In this setting of scripture, the host of heaven doesn't necessarily all the time refer to uh, um, the angels that are holy angels. There are fallen angels. You ready for me to track this with you? Here's more scripture referencing this that in this moment, and you'll understand where I'm going. In, in 2 Kings, I told you he's getting a lot of scripture, not, but I have to lay this out because I've got to see you to understand on this aspect of pride. 2 Kings 21 Manasseh was 12 years old. He became king, reigned 50 years. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, all, according to all the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places, that's idol worship, which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. He raised up altars to Baal and made wooden images as Ahab. We're fast-forwarding in time reading this. And he worshiped all of the host of heaven and serve them. We just read about the host of heaven that are standing in the presence of, a presence of God. Where did Satan come to ask for Job? He was in the presence of God. I understand he's been kicked out of heaven, which means he has no authority there. But we just saw that he worshiped the host of heaven. So that's why we're saying when you read scripture, you've got to dig. You can't just embrace it and see it. Well, I just, that's, no, you've got to become a student of the word. And it goes on to say that in the whole aspect of him building uh, altars to the host of heaven, um, here it says that in all Jerusalem, I will put my name first. And he built altars for all the host of heaven and the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he noticed, and he made his sons pass through the fire, practice soothsaying, use witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. This is Ahab's grandson way out into the future. I'm sorry, the great, great, great grandson, Manasseh. Now, in 1 Kings, I'm about to tie this up. I'm sorry. This is, this is part of the whole, part of the message. I got to make sure that I get this because otherwise I can't leave you hanging like this. In the book of 1 Kings 22 and verse 20, it says, and the Lord said, we're going back to the story where we originally started. 
Who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spirit said this, while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said, how? He said, I'll go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of his prophets. Then he said, you shall entice him and you will also prevail. Go and do so. Now then, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. God is in control. Understand that before anything. God is in control. God is in charge. There's people that might say, Pastor AJ, I, I, just, I, I understand that Christians, we can be influenced in this way by, by, by demons, and we understand also because Jesus talked about that, we, we actually laid it out, that they can enter into a believer. Someone might say, a, a demon can't enter me because God lives in me, and a demon can't live where God lives. We're not talking about, again, that has complete uh, uh, control over you. We're talking about has influence in. But there's a problem with that theology because God's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere at all times. So a demon can't live where God lives, or else he just couldn't live, Right? Or they might say, well, I'm referring to the manifest presence of God. Well, there around the throne of God, somehow, there is a deceiving spirit that comes forth and God says, who can I send? Right? Are you tracking with me? So my question, let me ask you this, and I'll get ready to close. Go on, AJ. Somebody said, thank God. Would God ever grant permission for an attack of the enemy against my life? Would he? Well, let me bring you scripture. Job didn't destroy him. Peter, he didn't destroy him. Let me ask you this question. If you're standing in the street and you're about to be hit by a car and you're just seconds away from destruction and I come sprinting up and I just lower my shoulder and push you and throw you across the road, you may fall and you may break your arm. You may hurt yourself in some way. It may take you a little time to recover. But if it keeps you from being killed, would I not do that? Pride has manifested in, in the life of Job. Pride has manifested in the life of Peter. Have you ever read in 1 Corinthians, whenever Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, turn him over to Satan and let him work him over so that his soul might be saved. Have you ever read that? God is in full control. And the Bible says that pride goes before destruction. If God sees that you're about to be destroyed by pride, what do you think he's going to do to get your attention? If my children are going the wrong direction, I'm pulling my belt off and I'm fixing to whip them really good. I'm going to discipline according because I don't want them to walk, walk into a path of destruction. It's challenging, but it's truth. That's what the Bible specifically says. Pride goes before destruction. He hates it. 
But here in these settings of Scripture, you see where there's a manifestation of where God has to step in and God has to take action so that you might be saved. It's always, always for my good. Stand to your feet. Here's the deal. Job and Peter both repented at the rebuke of God and he restored them both. What's the difference between Judas and Peter? One repented. One came back into the fold. The other one took his life into his own hands. Pride is a trap that the strong, the righteous, and the wise can fall into. And it brings destruction. And whatever means that God has to use to get your attention and get you out of it, he'll do it. And I just read scripture where he used a different type of means that we're not used to hearing. So if you would bow your heads for just a moment, I'm going to ask you the question. I just want to pray with you and then we're done. Is there an area tonight that the Holy Spirit has highlighted and said, you're in pride. You got pride. God's calling it out right now. Pride goes before destruction and the Holy Spirit before fall. Do you worship your own opinion? Are you stubborn? And your opinion's always right regardless of what you hear. It's a form of pride. So what do you do? What do I do? I start with repentance. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for showing it to me. I turn from it 100%. And I embrace the cross, which is to deny myself. And I thank you for forgiving me tonight and the blood. I'm righteous because of the blood, not because of what I do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.